Good morning. It's great to see you and welcome you to Providence Church. My name is Jacob Armstrong. I'm one of the pastors here. We are so glad that each of you are here. I know we have folks that are with us for the first time and we appreciate your willingness to be here. And we hope that you feel very, very welcome. I wanna welcome those who are joining us online for this 9.30 service uh, faithfully each week or maybe watching it even later in the week. Uh, appreciate, we're glad that you're making time for God uh, and for your walk with Jesus Christ. I want to uh, read to you this morning the first four verses of the book of Luke from the Bible. So in the Bible, in the New Testament, which is the, sort of the second half of the Bible, there are four books that are called Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the word gospel just means good news. So these are uh, written accounts of the life of Jesus. And this is the first four verses of Luke. It says this. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from, who from the first time were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. First four verses of Luke. Uh, I was uh, reminded of a story some of you have heard, but several years ago here at Providence Church, we hosted uh, a funeral service for sort of our sister church, Corona Baptist Church, which is just actually uh, right down the road on Hark Reader uh, Road. We do a lot of ministry together. And uh, at that particular time, actually one of their pastors, Dr. Willie Bryson is here. We welcome you, Willie. I didn't know you were gonna be here today. Uh, we're so thankful. And at that time, um, they called us from Corona, a young man in their congregation, actually one of my classmates growing up, Lite Jackson, had passed away. And they knew that the service for Lite uh, would necessitate a, a sanctuary that was larger than the one they had over at Corona. And so they just asked if we could host the service, which we were very, very honored to do so. And um, they were absolutely correct. It was probably the largest service that I had ever been to. This entire room, just like today, was filled. You know, maybe six, seven, eight hundred people had come for this tragic death of a young man, Lite, their son, their brother, my classmate. And so we were just hosting the service. So our staff didn't really have any role except just kind of making sure that they had what they needed. And so when the service began, I noticed that Corona Baptist had a different tradition than I, than I was accustomed to, but maybe uh, you had. And at the very beginning of the service, uh, they had all the folks who were in the room except the family. And the family was brought in and processed down. And you could actually um, feel the grief in the room. I could feel it. I was just standing back in the, in the sound booth. And I noticed uh, Bishop Bobby Sanders, their pastor, who's a mentor to me, I noticed that what he began to do, as you could just feel that grief, as he began to read uh, or recite scriptures over the whole room. I don't know if they were on the page in front of him or if he just recited them from memory. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my father's house, there are many rooms. And so the scriptures were just kind of filling the space but actually, as more and more the family came in, the grief just grew in the room. And so I was watching Bishop Sanders, kind of how he was going to handle that moment, and he left his notes or what he had planned to do. And I had never done this or heard this. It may be his custom, I don't know. But he just began to say the name Jesus over and over. He just started saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. 
And the reason I remember that moment, and that I've told you this story before, is because when he started doing that, I was in the back booth, I felt like those words pressed me up against the back wall. And what I realized is that I talk about Jesus all the time, I write about Jesus, think about Jesus, but sometimes you need a reminder that just the power of his name can hold in a moment. The power that that name spoken, that it actually has the power to help ease and comfort and, and, and bring assistance to a congregation just by saying Jesus, 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 Jesus. And some of you know around here, that's become something that we say all the time in moments when we need something to say or don't know what to say. Heck, we got t-shirts that have it. It just says Jesus, 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 that sometimes we just need to put on because the, as much as we study and learn and listen and try to grow deeper, there is something just about the person of Jesus that we need to be reminded of, and sometimes you will just need to call upon his name. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is because I am about to preach a sermon here at Providence Church like I have never preached before. And what I mean by that is we're starting a new study today, and that in that itself is not unique. In fact, I went back, I don't know if I have the exact count, but I went back and looked, and I think that I have, we have preached here a series, I think this is our 156th series that we've ever preached here. So bless those of you who've heard a lot of those. <laughs> and they're usually four or five or six weeks long because I have a very short attention span, right? It's like, let's move on to the next thing. And the reason this sermon is different than any that I have preached is because today we are starting a study and a series that is going to last 75 weeks. Yeah, I was hoping for maybe a different reaction. Uh, <laughs> no. Let's go for it. <laughs> that. So, for the next 18 months, until April of 2025, we're going to study verse by verse and page by page the gospel according to St. Luke. We're going to look at uh, his purpose, which is telling us about Jesus. We have no other purpose than to learn more about his life, his, um, his character, his actions, to know more about who this Jesus is. And so I'm asking you to hang with me until Easter of 2025, after that, I don't care what you do, okay? I just need you to do that. And, and so I've been thinking about this particular sermon as less like I usually think when we start one of these, I would usually normally think of it as an introduction. And today, I want you to think about today's message as an invitation, because this will not work if you're not in. This will not work if you and I are not committed to thinking about what will happen if we let the word of God for the people of God work on us and work in us. Not just to study, not just to read a verse, but we're saying we as Jesus followers want to know him so deeply that we're committing to go to a, a deeper place and a deeper way of encountering his scriptures. Luke is the longest gospel of those four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's actually the longest book in the New Testament. And if you put Luke together with the book of Acts, which Luke also wrote, Acts is, tells us about the beginning of the church. If you put those together, it's about 30% of the New Testament. So it is a very uh, foundational 
important book that has been handed down for century after century after century so that people can know who Jesus is. And what I would like you to think about this, that the way I would want us to think about what we're going to do over the next uh, year or so is that we are holding in our hands with the book of Luke, we're actually holding a treasure, that we have a gift in our hands to study these ancient words. As you leave today, if you would like one, outside at these tables, we actually have this book. It's just the gospel according to Luke. On one side, it has uh, the scripture, and on the other side, it has places where you can take notes. And I know that you probably have a Bible or a Bible in your phone, but if you'd like, I'd love for you to take this. And when you hold this particular one, I want you to be reminded that Pastor Jacob said that this is a treasure. And that when you open it up to read those words and to study it, or you bring it in here to study, that you're remembering we're being given the gift of knowing who Jesus is. Now, we don't worship the Bible, okay? We worship the Lord. We worship the Lord Jesus. But we believe that this is the Holy Spirit of God that has something to say to us. It's not a normal book. And so we won't be doing a normal thing. Studying the book, at least here at Providence for 75 weeks, is not a normal thing. But I have had this feeling, I don't know if you share it or not, that God is doing something with us right now that's not so normal, that he's calling us to a deeper place. And the way that we ground ourselves and connect ourselves when God is moving is we turn to the word of God and we trust it as an authoritative word for our lives. And so I'm inviting you (laughs) to join me on a journey uh, for the next little bit. I don't really know what happens if you don't want to join, uh, but (laughs) we'll we'll figure that. We can adjust course, I guess, but I would be greatly disappointed. Uh, So who is the book of Luke for? I think three groups. The first is the beginner. And we have many, many beginners here at Providence Church, many people. It's one thing we love about this church. It's, it's the way the whole thing is set up is that folks who come here and say, I don't really know who Jesus is or I'm just being drawn to Jesus. Or, I've heard about this Jesus. That's great. If that's you, you're in the right place. And Luke's gospel was actually written for you. One of the purposes was that people in all corners of the world and all times that would come later who don't know who Jesus is could read just these words and have an understanding of who he is, what the identity of Jesus is. So that's for you. The second group is the seeker. And I want to use that term maybe not how it's uh, in a way that's different than it's usually used in the church. Because sometimes it sort of means a beginner. Somebody's just sort of seeking. But the way I mean it here is for those of you who are saying, I sense in me that I am seeking to go to a deeper place of the Lord. And that's actually what I feel that many of us here, that we're in a movement of God calling people deeper, people who don't just want to be nominal Christians or say uh, one thing and do the other, but actually I want to be a disciple of Jesus. The book of Luke has so much for those of us who are seeking God and seeking to go deeper, and especially a journey like this and what it can do in a formative way in your life to read it over the course of that period of time, I think could be a big deal. And the third group would be the veteran. And I I don't necessarily, I don't mean like the, like we've been talking about this weekend with Veterans Day, but I'm talking about the veteran of the Bible. Those of you who've been reading this for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and here, here's what um, I believe God wants to say to you as we go into this study. I believe that God wants to say to you, I have something else to say to you. If you've read this front, front to back, you've read it a, a million times, I believe that God is saying to you, I have something else to say to you. And the reason is, is because God's word is living and active. And you can talk to people who've read the Bible for years and years and years, and this is what they'll say. They'll say, 
they'll read it and they'll say, I never saw that before. Or I never realized that before. I think that happens for two reasons. One is, it's because you're forgetful, okay? (laughs) And the second is, is because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And God never stops speaking. God never stops coming after you. God has something new to say to you in this season of your life. So veterans, buckle up because we're going to study the word of God together. Luke's uh, gospel is very unique. He was, uh, he's known by historians and biographers today as one of the great historians and biographers of his day. I told you that the book of Luke is very long, long in comparison to the other, Bible, uh, other books of the Bible. But it's not because Luke is wordy. It's not because Luke is verbose or he puts on these flowery things to each story. It, it's actually quite the opposite. He's like a historian, crisp, accurate, succinct, placing dates and times and specific governing bodies and, and, and specific places. In other words, he is trying to build a case historically and accurately that Jesus is who they say that he is. So if you're into that sort of thing, you're gonna love Luke because he's not wasting words. He has a lot to tell and he's laying it out in a very logical, linear way. Uh, let's look at that, uh, that beginning again, the prologue to Luke. Many people will consider it to be like a perfect prologue because in a prologue, you're, you're, you're trying to give the occasion and the purpose for your writing. So let's listen to it again. He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. So first he's saying, I'm not the first. Many people have written about Jesus. In fact, uh, like the gospel of Mark, we know was already written before Luke started doing his writing because he used some of the things from Mark as a source to write his. So he's not saying I'm the first person to do this. He's saying many people have done this, but the last two words are really important. He says, I'm gonna give you an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. So that makes him very different from us. He's not saying this is some far off land or some far off people. He says, I'm gonna tell you about the things that are happening happening among us as the first followers of Jesus. He goes deeper into this by saying in verse two, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first time were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. This is so cool, guys. Luke is saying, I am giving you eyewitness accounts of what happened with Jesus. And he can verify that in his time by the things that he is saying. So it's a very important book that Luke is not 200 years removed or 500 years removed. He's not removed, right? And he's writing these things down. Imagine what that must have felt like to him to know that he had this uh, opportunity and ability to put the pen to paper. And so he says, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, He's a careful investigator. He says, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. So this Theophilus name or word there is a bit mysterious. The word in Greek just means uh, lover of God or God lover. Many people think that Theophilus was sort of the sponsor or the underwriter for Luke's gospel. And so Luke had the chance to write it, but he needed some people to help him do that. And one of those was Theophilus. And so this formal address puts him in it. We don't know that. Other people think it's just a more vague term. And that actually what Luke is trying to say is he's writing to us, lovers of God, God lovers, Theophilus. Regardless of that, he's saying, I've carefully investigated this from the beginning. And so I've decided, he made the decision, I decided to write an orderly account. And then in verse four, he gives his purpose, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. 
Luke, the author, tells us the purpose for his writing, and it is so that you may know the certainty of all that you've been taught. Think about that, all that you've been taught about Jesus. Think about all that you've been taught all over, over the years, maybe what you learned as a kid or maybe what you're learning as an adult. Luke is saying, I'm writing all this down in the way I'm writing it so that you can have certainty about what you've been taught. I mean, it's hard to have certainty about anything, right? These days, especially. And he's, he's saying, I believe that you reading this can have a certainty about your faith. The certainty regards the identity of Jesus. Who Jesus is, Luke believes, will have every implication for your life. And so it's important that you know it. Some of you remember we studied the book of John a couple of years ago. We did a nine-month study. Eh, it was nothing, right? And, and in it, we would refer several times to John's purpose. So I just want to show you uh, or remind us what John's purpose was in writing his gospel. This is, he put it at the end of his book. And he said, these things were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John's purpose was very clear. He says, I want you to believe. I want you to believe that Jesus is who he says he is, is the son of God. And some of y'all remember we prayed around that scripture through that course of that year that people would come to believe and they did. And that's when we had all those baptisms and people were believing. Well, as we engage Luke, what I want you to remember is that he's saying the purpose of reading this is so that you may be certain of all that you've been taught. So you may have a strength to your faith, that you may have a foundation like rock that you can stand on, that you can be certain of it. Yeah, there are, there's a lot of things that you can't be certain of, but what would it be like if we gained a strength and a certainty about the gospel? You see, Luke was a defender of the story of Jesus. He held on to it. And what he's doing in this is he is giving it to us as if we will be the ones. That's how this is going to work, guys. If other people are going to know the gospel of Luke and other people are going to know the story, the good news of Jesus, we will have to have known it with certainty so that we can pass it down. You may be miles away from certainty, that's fine. That's why we have 18 months together, okay? Uh, but I want to point out to you four things that we're going to look at all throughout the Gospel of Luke. I'm sure there's a bunch of them, but what I'm going to call them are signs, four signs in the book of Luke. And what I'm hoping we will do is when we see these signs, like signposts throughout the Gospel, that will mark them that we'll talk about them. Maybe you can even, you know, maybe in worship you can call it out, say, hey, Jacob, I see that sign. We'll see if that works. I, I wanna reserve the right to say, don't call things out. But I thought that might be cool if you say, I see, I see one, I want us to, I want these four things to really be in front of us as we go through, because I think that they mean something for the people that gather at Providence Church in this particular season. So the first sign that we'll see all throughout the book of Luke is this, lost things, lost things. Luke was very careful to make sure we understood that God loves lost things. Now, I didn't say that God loves that things get lost, but God does love lost things. He has a heart for lost things. It's in Luke's gospel that we find Jesus talking about lost sheep and lost coins and lost sons. It's in Luke's gospel where Jesus self-proclaims his mission as he says the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. And so we will begin to find ourselves as we read through this, all of us having some sense of where we've gone astray or where we've been lost, where our sons have and where our daughters have, and we will begin to get an assurance of the heart of God. 
That's what, I think that's what Luke meant by to give us a certainty. It's not that we'd have every little detail figured out or not that we would know everything about Jesus, but that we would have what's called an assurance that we are included in the family of God. We are the lost things that God is going after. And God, I pray, this is how we'll start our year in, in 2024, that we'll be praying that God will give us a heart for lost things that will name lost things and will pray for lost people and will pray that God who never gives up on coming after us uh, will come after us. The second thing, and this is the weird one, okay? The second sign that we're gonna look at in the gospel of Luke is simply this, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city. Jerusalem is the center, the geographical center of the gospel of Luke. Everything in Luke is moving towards Jerusalem. And some of y'all will be really excited because what that means is I'm bringing the map back, okay? <laughs> I'm bringing the map back. There's not a thing you can do about it. It's just an amazing little map and we'll circle things on it. And today what you'll see circled is Jerusalem, the center of Israel. You see to the north of Jerusalem, at the very top there, the Sea of Galilee. That's where Jesus is from. That's where he hung out. It's where the disciples were found. You can see uh, over uh, to the right there of Jerusalem, the Dead Sea. There's all kinds of things that go on there in the wilderness, the baptism of Jesus. Some of you have been looking at this map and know that over on the other coast on the Mediterranean Sea is an area called Gaza. And we will talk about and see how the biblical places hold, hold such significance for our time today and get a deeper understanding of who the people are there and what's going on. And maybe a deeper understanding of what God's movement is like in this holy land that the world can never turn its face away from. Jerusalem is at the center of the story. Everything in Luke is saying, we're going to Jerusalem. We're going to Jerusalem, the holy city of God. One of my favorite verses in Luke is Luke 9:51, And it says, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. So when we get to Luke 9, you know, whenever the heck that happens, right? When we get there, we'll see there's all these things going on. Things that feel distracting. Things that are pulling at our heart. Things that are pulling at Jesus' heart. And he makes a commitment to go to Jerusalem. It'll be very important that we understand that the purposes of God lie in Jerusalem. For Luke, Jerusalem doesn't just represent a geographical place. It's a symbol of the people of God and the most important acts of God. In Jerusalem, in the holy city is the temple, but it's not just a place. It's the place that God shows up. It's a symbol of that. And Luke will be very careful, almost painstakingly so, to show us that the Christian movement followers of Jesus, the key foundational events happen in Jerusalem, the re rejection of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection. And so we will need to have a deeper understanding, I know it sounds weird, of a city of Jerusalem. And the reason, here's what Jerusalem will mean for your life. It will mean power. It's power. The power for the church is found in what happens in Jerusalem. So all throughout the book, I want you to be noting, oh, he's talking about Jerusalem again. The third is this, prediction or what might be called prophecy. Luke is really careful to have the characters of his story make predictions that are then fulfilled. He's using prediction and fulfillment as a proof for who Jesus is. If, if something is said to happen and then it happens, that helps give proof to what God is up to. And so we're gonna think about things in our life that we have been predicted or that we have hoped for. 
and begin to believe that because the fulfillment happens in our story, that there could be fulfillment in our lives. What I'm telling you guys is there are some things in this broken, violent, war-torn world that we will need to hold on to the prophecy of the Bible to believe that one day it will be fulfilled. I'm believing that one day every tear is going to be white from every eye. I'm believing that one day cancer won't be a thing. I'm believing that one day there will be a new Jerusalem set up on earth where our Jesus will be the Lord. You see what I'm saying? And so it's in Luke that we learn those things and gain that kind of hope and strength and confidence for how we can live our lives. And then the fourth, this is the super fun one, what we'll be looking at are miracles. All throughout the book of Luke are miracles. And as you come to church here, you know that we believe miracles still happen. We believe that there's healing found in the name of Jesus. And so what the miracles in Luke will show us, without a doubt, with certainty, is that there's no one like Jesus. And that's how we're supposed to lead our lives. Like, I don't really care if we get a bunch of head knowledge or learn a bunch of things. The purpose of this is a long journey, going after Jesus, going to Jesus, so that we can know who he is and know that there is no one like him and that he holds a power unlike any other. I'm so excited. I've got this, you know, kind of dream bubbling up in my head of what it'll be like when we get to Easter of 2025 and we turn the page and we see his friends are in Jerusalem and the tomb is empty. That's a cool thing to talk about right now, but I think there's something to be gained if we as a people, as a body, as a church, journey all the way through this and come to that place Go ahead and put Easter 2025 on your calendar, okay? Because we will celebrate that there's no one like Jesus. And he's in Jerusalem. And what was predicted has been fulfilled. And we will be eyewitnesses to what he has done in this world. Yesterday morning I woke up. And uh, some of you guys know I just have a lifelong struggle with anxiety. And I don't know why I woke up yesterday, or probably even before I woke up, I just felt anxiety on me. And I, the thing about my journey with anxiety is I can't make, I can't make any sense out of it, you know. It doesn't, there isn't the purpose. One guy in the lobby said, maybe it's because you were going to try to do a series for 75 weeks. I was like, oh, well, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> but seriously, I was just, I was just feeling bad, you know. But I need to be honest with you. I'm a veteran in the word of God. I'm not a beginner right now, right? And I don't say that as a higher place, I'm just saying I've been journeying through this for a long time. And I've been having battles with anxiety and panic attacks since I was eight years old. And so without, without missing a step, I went up to my bonus room and I sat down, I had a little heating pad I put on my back, I've been having some back trouble and I got this fleece uh, Barbie blanket wrapped across my waist, it's a little cool up there. Uh, and um, I was just feeling the weight of something, you know? And I just said out loud, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Because I know him. I have confidence in him. And I was feeling really low down, but I just started speaking his name out loud in my bonus room. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Because that's been taught to me, all right? And, and sometimes you just need to meet with him. But what, what my hope is as we go through this is that we will all get to know Jesus better where you can speak his name. And I'll tell you what happens in moments like that for me 
the pain and the fear subsides because there's power in his name and in a meeting with him. And then after I did that, I opened my Bible because that's what I do every day. And I didn't read any great word that changed my life. I was in the book of Acts, which Luke wrote, but just doing that thing that I do got me centered and connected to the vine. And I do this thing on Saturday, y'all know, called Gratitude Saturday. And I didn't feel like doing it at all, but I did it. And I wrote all the things that I'm grateful for. And in one place I wrote, I'm so grateful for Providence Church and the miracle that's happening here amongst real broken people. But you're meeting us, God. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And then I got up and I took the trash to the dump. Because, you see, there, there was another option for me, and that was to beat myself down or get low down into despair or let the darkness cover me. But because of Jesus and his word revealed to me, I can get up and do what God has called me to do that day. Do the normal things, do the small things, do the big things. And I just have this, I have this belief, guys, that as we journey through this, at the end of it, we will be a different people because of our faithfulness to his word and his, our faithfulness to his son. So I invite you to join me in reading through the book of Luke. You might read it through a bunch of times or you might just go right at the, the pace we're going on Sunday mornings. I invite you to sign up for the, we have a weekly study here. You can find it in the program that every week we'll have questions and thoughts as a daily thing that you can do. But most of all, I just want you to open your heart to encountering the King of Kings and the Lord of Lord. His name is Jesus. Let us pray. God, as we embark on a new journey together in reading the book of Luke, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us, that miracles would happen in our midst, and that we would come to a certainty of who Jesus is. We pray that you would deepen and grow us as disciples, and that as we journey through it, you would do something with our church that gives glory to the Son. As we come to the table of communion, we pray that this would be a meeting time with Jesus. Bread and juice set before us, we receive in his name. We remember what happened in Jerusalem when Christ's body was broken and his blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. And so we receive that in his name. Amen.